read the scripture and then I'll do my best to try to break this down so that we can understand what we're talking about here. So, uh, and I'm going to bring bringing it from a different translation today, uh, only today, and then I'll be back to the King James. It's just that this one seemed to talk to me the best. And so, uh, you should be able to follow me anyway. Uh, so in verse 1, chapter 5, verse 1, For we know that if our earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal dwelling in the heavens, not made with hand. Indeed, we groan in this tent, despairing to put on the heavenly dwelling. Since when we take it off, uh, we will... Uh, not be found naked. Indeed, we groan while we are in this tent, burdened as we are, because we do not want to be unclothed, but clothed, uh, so that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now, the one who prepared us for the very purpose is God. He's the one who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave us the Spirit as a down payment. So we may always, and are, so that we are always confident and know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. But we walk by faith, not by sight. In fact, we are confident and we would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Therefore, whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to be pleasing to him. For we must all prepare or appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each may be repaid for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Therefore, since we know uh, the fear of the Lord, we try to persuade people uh, what we are uh, what we are in plain what we are is plain to God and I hope it and I hope it is also plain to your consciences Uh, let me back up again and read that again therefore since we know the fear of the Lord and we try to persuade people what we are in plain uh, what we are is plain to God and I hope it is also plain to your consciences let's pray Father God I love you Lord, I thank you for this affidavit that we have for us to live our lives, for us to do what you've called us to do, and put things in perspective for us at the beginning of this year. Lord, I ask you to open these scriptures up so that we can apply it to our lives. Lord, I love you and I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So what we're going to talk about here is is our future after death. This is basically what it boils down to. Our future after death. We have assurance. In verse 1 it says, we know. It says, for we know that our earthly tent we live in is destroyed. We know that our tent is going to die. Paul refers to the body as a tent. He was a tent maker by trade. And tent are one thing that all tents have in common is they're temporary. They're not made to be permanent structures. They're made to be taken down and moved. They've also, they are very susceptible to being destroyed by the elements. And so he's making this, 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 um, yeah, thank you. (laughs) Comparison. My mind went blank. 
I still thought I was stuck in the woods. No, I'm just, <laughs> uh, my, whole, my mind went blank, but he's making this comparison between our bodies, his body, and, and a tent, how fragile they are. And, we, uh, and so we know that, that we have this tent and it's going to be destroyed. We have a building to go to that is from God and it's eternal in the heavens and it's not made with hands. It's God's dwelling. Remember, Jesus told us he went to prepare a place for us because in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And so we know where we're going. And our bodies long, whether we want to admit it or not, our bodies long to be with Christ. Now, he has gave us a desire to fight for life. Have you ever been choking on something? What do you do? I mean, you fighting hard. You ever got played a sport or something or fell and got the breath knocked out of you? You think you're going to die and you're gasping for all the breath you can. You get scared. You ever been so scared that you're hyperventilated can't, can't catch your breath? That innate ability to survive is in you. It's in you. And, you, and so, but we also know as Christians that that is the absolute Worst thing that could happen is we die to our bodies, but it's the best thing that could happen to us as Christians because the Bible tells us absent from the body, present with the Lord. We get to put on the incorrupt. We get to put on the uncorrupt. We get to put on eternity. See, a lot of people will tell us that, well, this is my body and that's all there is. Well, no, it's not. Yes, this is our body, but it's not all it is. Our body is much more than just flesh and bones. We have a spirit in us that was given to us at the creation of time when God created man. We have a desire to know Him. We have people all over the world searching for Him. They don't know what it is. They don't know how to get there. That's why it's our job... We are to persuade people that we are God's. That we're not of this world. That we are aliens. Yes, there are aliens among us. We are them. Our home is not here. This is temporary. We are ambassadors of Christ while we're here on the earth. And so it tells us that, you know, we have an anticipation. Not only do we know that our, our bodies are going to die, but we anticipate uh, by faith that, that we have a heavenly dwelling. And since, uh, and since uh, we have taken it off, we will be found naked. No, we're, we're anxious. That's the reason we groan. None of us want to be found naked. Think about that. Why do we have curtains in our houses? Why do we have blinds? Why do we have subdued windows in the bathrooms? Why do we have doors on our bedrooms? Nobody wants to be seen unclothed. Nobody. Now, you might when you're younger, but when you get older, nobody wants to do that. <laughs> you don't. And even when you're younger, you, there's certain places you don't want to be seen naked either. And so it's a, it's a, it makes us anxious. That's called groaning. We're groaning. And so we don't want to be found naked. Indeed, we groan while we are in this tent burdened as we are because we do not want to be unclothed. We don't want to be found naked. 
And see, we're going to put on righteousness. We're unrighteous. Even though we're saved, we're going to put on righteousness when we die. And so we groan uh, and... And then we, you know, we shall not. In verse 3 it says, since we were never taken it, since we have never taken it off, we do not want to be found naked. Indeed, we groan while we are in this tent. It bothers people. Death bothers people. And here Paul's talking about it nonchalantly. When you discuss death, is it nonchalantly to you? Or is it something that burdens you and, and causes you to, to worry? Now, all of us want to live, trust me. Trust me. I want to live to be a hundred. I do. I, in fact, I want, I want Stephen to live to be a hundred. Stephen White. I want to be a pallbearer at his funeral. That's probably not going to happen. Am I afraid to die? No. Do I want to die? No. Am I going to die? Absolutely. Unless God comes home, yes, I am going to die. I have even gone so far as uh, picked out a cemetery plot where this tent will spend time until the the resurrection. Uh, now, with that being said, you will not see a marker out there that has my name on it until after I die. I'm not going to ride up here every day and look at my name in a dash. I'm just not going to do it. But, see, we have, we have hope. We have a lot of hope. We're anxious. And so, the Bible tells us in verse 3 here that we shall not worry. We don't need to worry. God has got us. We're indwelled with the Spirit. We're much more than just flesh and bone. And in verse in verses 6, or let me go and read verse 5. Now the one who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave us the Spirit as a down payment. God has prepared us to die. And he gave us, not only did he prepare us to die, but he also prepared us to spend eternity with him. And as a down payment, he gave us the Holy Spirit. What did Jesus say? Tarry here until the power and the helper comes. We accepted Christ. We have an indwelling of the Holy Spirit that moment. We have the same spirit that was in Peter. We have the same spirit that was in Paul. All the apostles. That same spirit is in us. We can do the same things they do for the glory of God. We have that ability for the advancement of the kingdom. And it's our job to advance the kingdom. We have in, in verse... In verse 6 it says, uh, So we are always confident and know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from God. While we are at home in the body, we are away from God. 
For we walk by faith, not by sight. In fact, we are confident and we should prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. That's our affirmation. Our affirmation is that. Do you prefer to be away from the body in the presence of the Lord? Sure we do. Is it a conscious decision? Probably not something we dwell on every day. But what it does is it gives you confidence when you share the gospel to know that the absolute worst thing that somebody can do to you has cost you your life. And if you look at it in a sporting text, if that happens, you win. Yes, your family's going to grieve. Yes, they may think they've won a great battle. But you're going to go to the presence of the Lord. So why are we afraid to share the Word of God? Now, persecution is coming faster than we would like to believe. The country we live in today is not the same country we grew up in. Nowhere is it the same as what we grew up in. Things are changing daily. People are... Are, are, are doing crazy things and, and they're rewriting narratives and they're rewriting definitions, you know. Uh, and all of it, all of it is predicated on destroying the Word of God. This is not just a Republican, Democrat, or, or, or free communist. It, this is good versus evil. This is God versus Satan. This is demonic versus uh, righteousness. That's what this, this battle is. And the sooner we recognize it, the better off we're going to be. There are signs happening everywhere. All you have to do is open your eyes and look. Listen to the news. Don't listen to the news. You can see them anywhere. When people start questioning the definitions of things and changing the definitions to suit their own opinion... You got issues. And he said that they would rely, men would turn upon and rely upon their own wisdom. Isn't that what's happening today? I mean, think about it. You know, it's so confusing to young people. When I was coming up, a woman was a woman. A man was a man. A dog was a dog. A cat was a cat. It's not so today. Not so at all. But we know where we're going. We have affirmation that we will be present with the Lord if something happens to this tent. And then it says here in, um, in verse 9, Therefore, whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to be pleasing to Him. Are we being pleasing to God? Are we? Are we loving our neighbors as ourselves. Think about this. We're supposed to, to give forgiveness to those who don't deserve it. Why? Because we received it and we didn't deserve it. So think about this for a minute. Just take a second and think about it. Who in your life or who in your sphere that you feel like doesn't deserve forgiveness. That's the first person you need to go see. That's the first person you need to go see. Whether you like it or not. 
You need to offer them forgiveness. Whether you've done anything wrong or not, just walk up and say, look, brother, I'm sorry I held a grudge. I forgive you. Or sister, I forgive you. Sometimes it's going to blow them away. Sometimes it's going to, who do you think you are forgiving me for what? I said, I'm asking, I'm just telling you I forgave you for the feelings that I have toward you. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with me and the Lord. You can accept it or reject it. I come to you telling you that I forgive you and I'm asking you to forgive me. Ask them to forgive you whether they've done anything or not. Just walk up and say, please forgive me. Will you forgive me for the thoughts that I have, for the actions I've had, for the, for the way that I've treated you in my mind, or maybe for the way I've treated you in public? That doesn't mean they're going to change. It doesn't mean that at all. What it means is that you are righteous before God. Remember the story? When you bring your offering to the altar and your brother has a problem with you, what do you do? You leave your offering and you go make it right with your brother and come back and offer the offering. Or if you come and you have a problem with your brother, what do you do? Same thing. You leave your offering. You go make it right and you come back and make your offering. Whose responsibility is it to offer forgiveness? Ours. I can't control somebody else. I can only control me. I can only control me. And so Jesus made it plain whose responsibility is. And if you are a disciple or follower of His, it is our duty. It is our duty. And it's hard pill to swallow. Trust me, there's a lot of water goes under a lot of bridges. And to be humble enough to go to your foe or whoever and ask them for forgiveness? Whew, tough. Tough. But that's what we have to do. We've got to be accountable. We need to be accountable. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, with that being said, the judgment seat that we as Christians will, prepare, will appear before it's not the great white throne judgment. We're going to give an account of what we've done with the gift of salvation. What have you done since Jesus forgave you? And you accepted Him as your Lord and Savior. And He's entered your heart. We're going to, we're going to give an account of that. You know, the Bible says there'll be no more tears. No more crying. No more pain. I don't believe that happens until after the judgment seat. Now I can't prove that. That's just my opinion. So when you realize face to face the forgiveness and the depth of sacrifice that Christ made for us. Think about that. He died for me before I was even born. For my sins that I hadn't even committed yet. And for the ones that since I came to him are going to be committed. He died for that. See the Bible says he died for the evil men. 
Some folks like to say, well, only certain ones get it. Well, only certain ones may accept it. That's fine. But He died for the evil men and every man is evil. Period. And when I use man, it's not like male. It's the race. That's where we're at. We have assurance. We have accountability. And then we have a job in verse 11. It says, Therefore, therefore, since we know and fear the Lord, we try to persuade people. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. What we are is plain to God. Are we plain to our families? Are we plain what we are? Are we plain to our neighbors? Our co-workers? Are we plain to the public in general? Is it plain who we are? Are we so different that they see us? Or are we just like them and they look over us? See, we are... We're a royal priesthood. We're a peculiar people. How peculiar are we? Are we so peculiar that we stand out in public? Now I'm stomping all over my toes. But this is the thing that we need to know in the beginning of the year. This is, this is where we are all eventually going to end up unless... Christ returns. Unless Christ returns. My grandmother used to say, and, I, and, and I, when she was talking to my great-grandma, I remember hearing them talk. Mourn a birth and praise a death. thought that was about the most mixed up thing I've ever heard in my life. I understand now what they're talking about. You mourn a birth because they got to live through this. You praise a death because they most of the time they're going home to see God. They are finished here. They have laid down whatever burdens and, and, and tools and whatever they're using here on earth. And they're at rest in the presence of the Lord. And each one of us has a date with that unless Christ return. I can remember when my told my father I was with him that he had cancer and it was terminal and he asked the doctor he said well how long do I have doc and the doctor says you know he said I've been around a lot of patients he said but I have yet to see an expiration date printed on the bottom of anybody's feet he said I have no idea that's between you and the Lord he said it depends on you a lot of it and it depends on the Lord the attitude you have. Five years later, he succumbed. But he lived his final five years doing the things that he wanted to do. And, uh, and so, it wasn't his time when he got diagnosed. He taught me a lot of lessons. I found out that if I was a man that was half as strong as he was and tough, I'd be pretty good. Never heard him complain. 
Ask him how he was doing. You could tell that he was in pain. The little tears would roll out the corner of his eyes. Oh, I'm doing all right. He didn't want you to know. He didn't want you to feel sorry for him. And here we know what our, what's going, where we're going. He knew where he was going. That's the great thing as my father. I knew I will see him again. I know I'll see him again. And we'll get to rejoice. I know he's up there with his mothers and brothers. And my aunts <laughs> on my mama's side. There's probably a box of crackers. I'll tell you that story sometime involved. Um, but we're going to be there. And now that we're here, our job is to persuade others. And that doesn't say we're just supposed to, hey man, you want to hear about the Lord? No, our job is to persuade them. What does persuade mean? It means to make the argument that they can't, that they can't defend. That they can't put aside. Persuade your life, your actions, your words. Words are cheap. They're going to watch you. They're watching how you live your life. You know, the, the saying of the day is, you know, it's easy to talk the talk, but can you walk the walk? Are you going out of your way to help your brothers and sisters? Not only in Christ, but your neighbors. Have you walked across the street to meet your neighbor? Do you know the people who live next door to you? Do you know the people that live across the street from you? Do you have a relationship with them? Or is it just somebody you wave it to at the mailbox? Your co-workers, have you took an interest in their lives? I know we go to work and the only thing we're there for is to produce the product to get the job done, but are we involved in the lives of our co-workers? Do we know who's struggling? Do we know who's having issues with marital problems or, or family problems? Do we know who's having issues with automobiles breaking and things like that? Do we know? Do we care? Do we know who's hungry and who's not? Do we know who has clothes and who does not? These are the things that we need to be taken in account of. It says we are to persuade people. What we are is plain to God. Is it plain to other people? Is it? I can't answer those questions. I know there's room for improvement in my life. All the way around. There's room for improvement on every aspect of my life. But the workman is not finished with me. He's not. He's not through with you. Can you contend for the faith? Can you give a defense for your belief? Because some people are going to question you on it. How do you know Jesus Christ is who he says he is? How do you know this book is God breathed? How do you know? How do you even understand the mumbo jumbo in this book? Are you really that naive to believe that when you die you're going to heaven? 
What makes you think you're going there and I'm not? These are all legitimate questions. Can you answer them? How do I know that the Jesus that you love is not just going to let everybody go because Jesus is love, they said. That's correct. He is love. But He's righteous and just. And sin can't come before Him. Well, then you think you're better than me because you're going to heaven and I'm not. No, I don't think I'm better than you. I think I'm worse than you. See, I've accepted the fact that I was a sinner. I know that if I hadn't turned to God, I'd be headed to hell. And there is a place called hell. It's real. Just as certain as there's a place called heaven. And you can count on it. And I can tell you this. The Bible says it's hot. And one drop of water would quench all manner of thirst. That's hot. That's terrible. I don't want to find out. But what do you think you're going to do when you get to heaven? I'm going to praise God. What do you think your job is going to be? I don't know, but I'm going to praise God. The most menial job in heaven will beat the hell out of the greatest job in hell. Amen. I'm going to heaven. We need to make sure that other folks are going. That's our job. That's our job. See who's going to heaven. Just take a moment and think about the people in your life. Those close to you. Who knows Jesus and who don't? Is there anything you can do to rectify that. Now I know that when you talk about family, families are hard to reach. I mean, Jesus couldn't even reach his own family. They rejected him. Eventually they came around. But think about that. If you can't reach them, who can? I want us to start praying for the lost just like we pray for the sick. We've seen miraculous things happen here, praying for the, for the sick and the sore. David Kennedy is a great example of that. Less than a week out home, recuperating from a two-story fall on concrete. Fractured skull, broke uh, clavicle, bruised ribs, fractured hip, fractured eye socket. At home. Prayer did that. God did that. So that people could see that prayer works. Who do we need to pray for to get them to see heaven? Who do we need to pray for? Take a list. Make a list. Compile a list. Let's put it together and let's pray for the lost. Let's make an effort in 2023 to pray for the lost. To pray for salvation for the lost. Then when they get saved, we'll scratch them off and add somebody else's name. Let's watch God work this year. Let's watch God work. We'll continue to pray for the sick. And we'll continue to pray for those that are, that are in dire straits. But let's pray for the lost. Let's do some kingdom work. 
advance the kingdom. And it doesn't matter if they get saved here or, or, or wherever. It doesn't matter where they go. We want to call them to salvation and they can go to church wherever they please. We're not trying to do a membership drive here. What we're trying to do is advance the kingdom of Christ. Let's do that. Let's make that our focus this year. So the question remains, what do you need to do? Are you sitting here today and 100% sure that your destination is heaven? Or are you doubtful? Do you have doubt? Today is the day to put the doubt to rest. God has called you. God is calling you. Answer the call. Don't put it off. Because we're not promised the next moment. I mean, as crazy as things are in this world, young folks falling out in their sleep, walking, heart attacks, massive strokes. We're not promised the next minute. I could trip down these steps. And if I do, I'm going to heaven. Is there any of y'all want to see me there? That's where I'll be. So, the decision's yours. Make it. Please make it. If God is making you uncomfortable today, that's because He's working on your heart. Listen to Him. Listen to Him. Listen to Him. If you've been saved for a while and you kind of feel distant from the Lord, today's the day. Walk up here and rededicate your life. Get back in the swing of things. Get back in right relationship with the Lord. Today is the day. Tomorrow is not promised. And the other thing about tomorrow, it never comes. Because when tomorrow gets here, it's today. It keeps moving. Do it today. Do it today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, I love you. I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for our assurance in heaven. I thank you that this tent is temporary. Lord, I thank you that one day I'll put on a permanent tent. I thank you for the fact that you've indwelled me with the Spirit. And I know without a shadow of a doubt that my destination is secured through you and your sacrifice on the cross for the remission of my sin. Lord, I love you. And I pray, God, you'll continue to, to shine your light on the path that I'm to walk. Lord, I ask you to shine the light on those here. Lord, Touch the hearts that need to be touched. Touch those that are watching at home or, or wherever. That if they have any questions and they want to know, contact me. I'd be more than happy to, to help answer their questions. Lord, I love you. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you please stand, our hymn of invitation is 94. He is here.